0: Hello and welcome to the Life Center podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington, that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Life Center. For those of you who I haven't met, my name is Tyler. And we are thrilled that you're with us today, whether you're watching online or in person. How many of you enjoyed that music right there? By the way, that just kind of Christmas time is here, and uh, hopefully you caught that as you look around on the stage. Because I know sometimes there's one tree, there's like 300 trees on the stage uh, this year. But we're we're thrilled that you're with us today. We begin a brand new series that we're entitling the Gift exchange, the gift exchange, and we're going to spend the next four weeks together as we journey through December and talk about the arrival of Jesus and what that means for us, but also some practical ways that we can exchange some stuff in our lives for God's best plan for us. We're going to talk about the the gift exchange, but before we get there, I want to put something important on your radar. Sunday, December 27th, everybody say the 27th. 27th we are doing something different by design a little bit over a year ago our team was together and we were dreaming and planning how could we once a year get all of our campuses across life center together and engage together in a worship setting and we put a date on the calendar we said Sunday December 27th we are going to do that and so do not miss it it's Sunday, December 27th. It's going to be an online-only gathering that day across our campuses. But we're all coming together. It's going to be incredible. And so don't want you to miss that. Hey, in a moment, we're going to look to Philippians chapter 2. Today, I want to talk about compassion in action. Compassion in action. And hopefully you've already experienced this in your life. But just in case you haven't yet... Christmas has arrived. Now, what that means for us, maybe it's time to pull out the decorations. How many of you, you've already pulled out all the decorations? Uh, Maybe you've begun to listen to Christmas music. I know there were certain individuals in my house, I felt like they started listening to Christmas music the day after Halloween. Uh, Maybe for you, it's unboxing those Christmas sweaters. I know it's definitely the time of year to sit back and ponder and wonder the deep thoughts of how many times can Hallmark tell the same story over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. It's just that time of year, Hallmark's been playing in our household and I always laugh as I'm standing on the edge of the room and I'm saying, I wonder what's gonna happen between him and her. I wonder if it's going to be that moment where they look into each other's eyes, they kiss, and magically it starts to snow. I wonder if that might happen in this movie. And, of course, we all know the answer is yes. It happens in every movie. Christmas time is here. Now, depending on your background, the way you grew up, your family, your friends, maybe you have another tradition this time of year, which is the gift exchange. The gift exchange. And depending on uh, your family, your friends, you could either have really good memories and pleasant hopes about the gift exchange, or maybe you've been burned one too many times when it comes to the gift exchange. You see, maybe, maybe you've experienced this thing called the re-gift. How many of you have been victims of the re-gift? Okay, I see you. How many of you online? You've been victims of the re-gift. How many of you have been the one who re-gifted? Come on, I know you're here. I know you've been the one who said, you know what? I'm not actually using this. Let's just wrap this up and re-gift it. Maybe you're not the one who's been on the receiving Maybe you've been the one who's been on the giving end of the re-gift. Why is that important? Well, depending on how that worked out for you, when you're on the receiving end of a re-gift, it feels like the gift falls a little bit flat. It feels like maybe there wasn't a lot of thought or intentionality. I know I've experienced different times where I was a part of a gift exchange and somebody set a dollar amount and then I opened up a specific gift this one time and out I pulled a Visa travel shaving kit that clearly they got when they signed up for a credit card. <laughs> and you know they did not pay $25 for that thing. And I remember sitting there going, it, it doesn't feel like you put your heart into this. It, it feels a little bit shallow. It, it feels a little bit apathetic. See, that idea of apathy, what... What is it? Well, it's, it's when we lack interest or enthusiasm or, or concern. And in this season of Christmas, usually by this time, we're kind of focused on what this season is supposed to look like. We have these ideals. We have these expectations. Christmas is here, and yet how many of us recognize this year is different? And if we're not careful, we, we could actually become a little bit apathetic about this season well it's different this year can't do what I normally do I can't can't gather with the family maybe you've maybe you've said to yourself there's no singing Christmas tree this year it's a little different and though all those things are are real and true maybe your family expression is going to look a little bit different maybe the rhythms look a little bit different what if this is a moment where God in his grace brings us back to the real gift of this season? What if in all the distractions, all of the what ifs, we, we focus back in on, no, 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 wait, Jesus, this truly is about you. It's always been about you. Jesus, you are the gift. You see, we've, many of us, we've experienced what it's like to be on the end of receiving apathy. And have you noticed that Apathy never makes anything better. I've never met somebody who, in their marriage, as they approach it with apathy, it leads to this healthy marriage. I've never met anybody who, they're apathetic in their finances and they end up financially sound. I've never met anybody who's apathetic in the areas of their health or in their career, and it leads them to where they want to get to. What about our faith? See, here's what I believe. Apathetic faith will only lead to a pathetic outcome. In this season, in this moment, when we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, I want to make sure that none of us, we we drift back because of how different this year is and allow ourselves to drift to this place called apathy. Because I want to remind you today, Jesus has more for us. Jesus has more for us than just some apathetic existence, just hoping to maybe journey through this season. No, he's got more for you. He's got more for you. Let's look together in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Jesus followers and he's reminding them about some important characteristics that we're called to live out. And he says this, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I mean, know that's, that's tough. Notice what Paul doesn't say. He says, you should really try to admire Jesus from a distance. He's saying, no, no, no. The things that you saw Jesus live out, the, the characteristic that he lives with as a follower of him, you are called to live that same way you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had and then he goes on to unpack this thing called the incarnation in other words the arrival that's why Christmas is so important that's why we take time that's why we go crazy and decorate the church that's why you set aside energy to be with family and friends why because the arrival of Jesus changed everything changed everything Listen to how Paul describes it. Though he, speaking of Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up. Can you say gave up? He gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. Friends, that's why Christmas is so important to us. It's this reminder that God loved us so much that he was willing to clothe himself in humanity, and it's significant that we pause and we remind ourselves without a rival in the manger, there is no cross. That's why we celebrate. That's why we reflect. That's why we slow down in the season. He was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Think about the exchange that Jesus made for a moment. He exchanged divine privileges for the position of a servant, he exchanged equality with God for the place of a human being. How many know that's a downgrade, by the way? That's a downgrade when you go from eternal king of kings lord of lords and yet you're still fully that but you take on the form of this human body. Yet Jesus he was willing to make that exchange. King of kings and lord of lords to death as a criminal on a cross. And yet as we look at this component as we look at the arrival of Jesus the incarnation God in the flesh Emmanuel God with us, what is it that this scripture calls us to? It calls us back to this place to have the same attitude of Jesus. To exchange our self-centered, me-first attitudes and to receive and take on the attitude of Jesus, Now, listen, that statement is a reminder. I don't just need grace to experience salvation. I need grace to put on that attitude every single day. Anybody else besides me? We we need the grace of God to continue to transform us and meet us in that place. And when we think about this great exchange, it's important that we remember Jesus doesn't just give compassion to me. He actually wants his compassion to work and be revealed through my life. Compassion is is a gift. He looked at me and he had compassion on me. But for me to have that type of compassion from God and then to turn and live a life of apathy, seems like a disconnect. See, I believe with all my heart, God's welcoming us to to make this incredible gift exchange today, to to trade in apathy for compassion. But the reality is there's things working against compassion being lived out in my life, in your life. There's things that that war against compassion actually being embodied. And today I want to talk about three enemies of compassion, but then I want to talk about three keys to living out compassion. First, let's deal with some enemies of compassion and each one of these focus on a mentality. What's, what's a mentality? It's a characteristic that at times we live with. It's, it's a mindset. It's a framework that we live life through. The first enemy of compassion is this, the poor me mentality. You ever met somebody who has the poor me mentality. Maybe they've experienced some hard stuff. Maybe they've been treated wrong. But the problem is it doesn't just end with that event. It now becomes the mentality that they approach life with. Poor me. How you doing? Well, sure could be a lot better. Hey, what are you thankful for? I don't know. I mean, I've been watching the news and not really a lot to be thankful for out there. It's the poor me mentality. And see, listen, maybe you've experienced pain. And I want to remind you that pain may be real, but it doesn't mean you have to pick up and embrace a poor me mentality. See, a lot of times apathy becomes the natural outcome of disappointment. Maybe you've been disappointed one too many times. You've been disappointed by family. You've been disappointed by friends. Therefore, you now look through the lens of poor me, and it's moved you to be apathetic about your family, apathetic about your friends. And when there's apathy there, compassion is gonna be hard to find. You see, though the pain may be real that you experience, you don't have to live life from that address. Reminds me of the Eeyore attitude. Anybody remember Eeyore? Winnie the Pooh. And and there's Eeyore. Come on, Eeyore had some great one-liners. One of my favorite quotes from Eeyore: "It's not much of a tale, but I'm sort of attached to it." Come on, how many how many people are they're looking at their family right now? Going, it's not much of a family but I'm sort of attached to it. It's not much of a job, but I'm sort of attached to it. It's not much of the nation I remember, but I'm sort of attached to it. And if we're not careful, this this poor me mentality becomes an enemy of the compassion that Jesus is wanting us to to live out. Why? Because that is the attitude that he, aren't you thankful that Jesus did not have an apathetic attitude towards us? Oh, he had compassion. And yet that first enemy is that poor me mentality. Can you say poor me? Oh, you're all quiet on that. I get it. I get it. Come on, say poor me. We are not going to allow that enemy to rob our compassion. You see, in Jesus, we move from victim to victor because of who he is and what he's done for us. Here's the second enemy towards compassion in our lives. It's it's the entitlement mentality. The entitlement mentality. And here's what entitlement asks. It it, it says, what do I believe I deserved? In other words, what is owed to me? What is owed to me? to me. That's, that's what entitlement asks. You owe me this. I deserve this. And here's, here's what's so important to remember. It's hard for us to get to a place of compassion if we're focused on what we think we deserve. A study was done. I was reading an article this last week, and It said this, neuroscience is revealing a fascinating link between gratitude and generosity. This article went on to explain even how they can map the chemical dynamic in humanity's brain. And they went on to say this is why Giving Tuesday, which happened last week, follows Thanksgiving on a Thursday people, after expressing gratitude, after expressing thanks, there's this greater desire to extend generosity. Out of thankfulness creates fuel to be compassionate. Yet the more I, I live with an entitled mentality, the more it robs me the ability to move into compassion. Here's a third enemy of compassion. It's It's a consumer mentality. Can you say consumer? Consumer mentality. You see, when when the driving force in my life is what I get, compassion is going to be hard to find. See, consumption is, is me focused, compassion is them focused. Consumption's me focused, compassion, them. How, How can I help meet their need? How can I step in and make a difference in their situation? See, these three enemies rob us of our ability to walk out and live out compassion. And the question must be asked, how do I reverse or overcome these enemies? Tyler, that's great. Maybe maybe as you're sitting at home, you can identify one or two or maybe all three of those attitudes or mindsets in your life. And you're saying, Tyler, I I see it. What do I do? And I wanna remind you, the answer is not just trying harder. The answer is not just more self-discipline. No, you have to receive a gift of God's grace to overcome these enemies. In other words, you have to allow that that gift exchange to happen in your life. See, one of the gifts that Jesus offers us through his grace is he exchanges that apathy for compassion. To put this in context and to talk about how do we build these keys in our lives, I want us to look together to Matthew chapter 14. Because it's it's one thing to address the enemies, but I don't want to just point out the enemies. I want to point to what is it that Jesus actually did and what can we as his followers embody from that? Let's look to Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is with his disciples. They come ashore. They see this massive crowd. They recognize Jesus and the disciples. They all see the need. I want you to capture that. See, the the first key for us to move from apathy to compassion, to exchange apathy for compassion, you have to open your eyes. You have to open your eyes. It's easy to stay in this place of apathy if, if you do not open your eyes beyond the border of your life. Let's look together. Matthew chapter 14 We're going to begin in verse 14. It says this, Jesus saw. His eyes were open. It says, Jesus, he saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had what? Compassion. He saw the need. He saw the people. He saw the individual face. Each one created in God's image. Each one bearing the Imago day in their lives. And and he sees the need in it moves him to compassion. Compassion. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, this is remote. There's no McDonald's around here. Jesus, we got to do something. Send them away. Jesus saw, though. Compassion, it it starts with seeing. And this is the danger of the three enemies I, I addressed just a moment ago. Because a poor me mentality, an entitlement mentality, consumerism mentality, they keep us blind to everyone and everything but us. Compassion starts with seeing. It starts with seeing. What is Jesus wanting you to see? What is Jesus wanting me to see? Where is there a need that that he's wanting you to, to step into? And here's the truth that we have to recognize. If I can't see it, I'll never be motivated to do anything about it. How many of us, we've, we've moved into a new house at one point and we realize, oh man, I gotta fix that squeaking door. And now all of a sudden, two decades have transpired. The door still squeaks, but what happened? You no longer see it. You don't hear it. You've grown accustomed to it. You've, you've grown immune to it. Compassion, it starts with seeing. Second key. To exchange apathy for compassion, you have to allow Jesus to use what you have. To make this exchange, you have to be willing to allow Jesus to use what you have. Let's jump back into the story. It says this, but Jesus said that isn't necessary. What isn't necessary? To send the people away. The disciples, again, they come to Jesus. Hey, we we need to get these people out of here because if not, they're going to go hungry. And Jesus goes, that's not necessary. You feed them. How many know in that moment, the disciples are like, "Uh, Jesus, can can we we talk about this? Uh, What do you want me to do? It says this. Jesus said, you feed them. And their response but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus says, bring them here. I want you to hear those three words. Bring them here. What I love about this section of this story, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for what they don't have. He doesn't say, hey, we, you need to figure out how to feed them. And they go, but Jesus, we only have a, a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. And he's like, you knuckleheads. You didn't pack all of the lunch baskets like I asked you. He, he doesn't belittle them for what they lack. No, what does he do? He welcomes them to bring what he's already entrusted to their care. Think about it. Jesus, he, he says, no, you don't, you don't need to send them away. You just need to figure out how to feed them. And I, I wonder which one of the disciples under his breath is going, um, Jesus, that's my lunch. It's my food. Jesus, you, you want me to, to give up what's mine? You, you want me to, to sacrifice? Jesus, I thought you're just like a love and grace guy. Oh, he is. And one of the ways that he reveals his love and grace is when he works through open hearts in his followers. See, in order for us to exchange apathy for compassion, we have to allow Jesus to use what you have. Let me say it this way What you have, God can use. You might say, Well, Tyler, <laughs> That, that's great, but but all I have is all you have is what. Does, does it sound insignificant, like a few small fish and a couple of loaves of bread? Because if that's all you have, guess what? In the hands of God, exponential possibility. And what what would have been enough to simply maybe satisfy you for a moment in God's hands, it can become a miracle. And yet, we have to come to this place to to trust Jesus with with what we have. And by the way, this fights against that consumer mentality. Why? Because that consumer mentality says, I don't have enough. I need more. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. Just just trust me with what you have. Think about those three words that Jesus says in verse 18. Bring them here. What is Jesus asking you to bring here? to him, to trust him. When it comes to to showing compassion, to to living out that same attitude that that he embodied, what is Jesus inviting you to bring? Has has there been apathy with what you have and now he's calling you to to trust him, to, to give it to him? Here's the third key. To exchange apathy for compassion, you have to rely on Jesus. You have to rely on Jesus. Again, the disciples are not the heroes of this story. The point of the story is, man, make sure everywhere you go, you're always carrying loaves and fishes. That's That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is in the hands of God, what seems insignificant can become significant. Jesus says, bring them here. Verse 19, and he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces. And I wonder which disciples going, oh man, there goes my lunch. It's gone. Now what am I gonna do? And... As they watch, they're astonished because as Jesus continues to break and continue to break and continue to break, the bread continues to be there. Lord, I don't know if I have enough. This COVID season has wiped me out. I don't know if I have anything left to give, but Jesus is welcoming us saying, no, no, no. Just put it in my hands. Watch how I'm gonna bless it. Watch how I'm gonna multiply. Breaks the bread, gives the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. I love that the disciples, and this is important for us to remember the disciples are not the source of the miracle, Jesus is. They're just conduits to what He has already provided. Capture that. He's not looking for us to be superheroes, He's looking for us to be stewards looking for us to be faithful. The disciples, they, they pass it out to the people. Look at this, verse 20. They all ate as much. Can you say as much? As much as they wanted. What started off as a little boy's lunch, just a small meager amount of food. Now all of a sudden, it has led to this overflow, this abundance And afterwards, the disciples, they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all of the women and children. Most scholars believe that there was more than 10,000 people that day gathered. What started off as so seemingly insignificant, what started off almost as an apathetic statement, Jesus All I have is a few small fish, a little bit of bread. You see, what started with Jesus' eyes open to see the need and and move towards compassion, he wanted his disciples to, to see the same things he saw and to be moved with that same compassion to the point that they would trust him, that they would give him what was already in their care. Why? So that needs would be met. But the key is we, we have to rely on Jesus. They only experienced this miracle because they were generous. Yes, they, they gave out of what they had. In the miracle, though, it wasn't in them. It was in Jesus. And this is what we learn as we follow Jesus in that journey. I don't just rely on him for salvation and then rely on myself for the rest. When it comes to serving Jesus, to journeying with Jesus, and and maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus today, but this idea of of relying on Jesus, it's not just to get us in, friends, it's what keeps us in. It's what keeps us in that relationship, that journey. We, We rest in him, we trust in him, we rely on him and that's why the story of Christmas is so significant and yet the question is where do you need to rely on Jesus where do you need to rely on Jesus In Philippians chapter 2 we're reminded the same attitude that was in Jesus let it be in us though he was God, is God, he didn't cling to that, but he gave up his divine privilege. He took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself in obedience and he died a criminal's death. Doesn't sound like apathy. Sounds like compassion, compassion. See this gift exchange, his his grace allows us to to lay down apathy, to pick up a different way, a, a better way. His way. Today, can I invite you to pull out your smartphone if you have it, or maybe you have your tablet. For those who are watching online, the online team is gonna put up a link. I wanna talk about a few next steps for us today. We do this every single week, and here's what I believe, whether you've been serving Jesus for three days or three decades, we all have a next step. What I love is there's literally been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of individuals who are engaging in these next steps over the last numbers of months. See, today I wanna talk about a few of them. And as you open up that Life Center app, you'll see them listed right there. The first next step is this. Maybe today is your day to say yes to Jesus. You're gonna put your trust in him. You see, the greatest gift exchange is this, that God in his grace allowed his one and only son to be born into a manger. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we all should have died. But he rose again. And this incredible gift happens when we trust in Jesus. What is that? My death is exchanged for his life. My my debt is exchanged for his riches. My brokenness is exchanged for his wholeness. There's an incredible gift exchange that happens, but it only happens not through self-effort, not through moral activity. It happens through trusting in the grace of Jesus, repenting, turning away from your old way of life and embracing new life in Jesus. Maybe that's your next step today. A second next step is this. You're gonna put compassion into action. And if that's you, I want you to check that next box because in a couple of weeks, you heard us mention it a moment ago, but we're gonna be giving away a thousand Christmas meals the third weekend of December. And for us, maybe you need to break up some of that apathy that maybe has taken root. And how are you gonna do that? You're gonna put compassion into action. Well, Tyler, I don't know if I have much to offer. Listen, five loaves, two fish. You have something to offer. What you have, God can use. If you check that box, our team will email you and we'll get you connected and helping with our Christmas meals. Here's the third next step. You've heard us talk about this in a number of weeks, but it's making the decision to get registered to be a part of Rooted. See, part of the, the journey of following Jesus is not doing it in isolation. We need one another. See, I've learned in my life, the more that I stay by myself in my faith, the easier it is for me to grow apathetic in my faith. But what breaks me out of that is when I'm in community with other followers of Jesus. And today, if that's you, I want you to check that box. We wanna help you get registered for one of our rooted groups. We're so excited about this. It's gonna be jumping, uh, getting going in January. We're thrilled about this opportunity. Today, can I invite you to, Take a moment and pray with me, whether you're watching online, whether you're in this room. Would you join me in a word of prayer right now? Jesus, thank you that you do all things well. Today we rest in you. We trust in you. Jesus, as we look at our own lives, I pray that you'd help us to avoid the the enemies of compassion in our lives and help us to embrace the keys of compassion. Lord, help us to put this into play this week. I pray for individuals who maybe they've allowed this long 10 months of this COVID season to create a little bit of apathy in their faith. God, would you shake them up today in your grace? Would you help them to get their eyes not just on their circumstance, but help them see the needs around them. Help us to move from apathy to compassion. Pray that we would put compassion in action as we serve our community. Lord, I pray that we would have a hunger to be in community with other Jesus followers through Rooted. Grow us in our faith. Today, listen, maybe it's your desire to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me, whether you're at home or in this room? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation and help me to follow you every day of my life. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.